You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. to grind the hardcore podcast i'm one of your hosts my name is patrick as another host my name is bob i am the other host my name is tom i'm just out here co-hosting fellas just what do we got going talking on about demon semen just getting you, in you know what i'm proud of myself tom i have no idea what that's about i'm yeah, surprised you haven't either. like read her book and and Making up her cause. <laughs> is that like J.K. Rowling or something? Like it is. It's it's the um it's like the dirty version that made uh, Fifty Shades of Grey happen. Oh, nice. You know God <laughs> yeah. bless. Maybe Have I will. You really not it. know what that's about? No, I I I'm kind of burnt on the sensationalist shit, and it feels like demon semen is probably on the sensationalist tip. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, yeah. It doesn't feel like hard news to me. No, I mean, do you want me to give you the two minute? Ba- uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Yes, so, please. So us. there was these um, quote unquote doctors that did like this um, this thing on Facebook talking about hydrochloroquine as like the hydrochloroquine mm-hmm. as like the the, the catch all that will you know it, it's a it's a cure for um, for COVID and blah blah blah. One was going on and on and on. They were there, like some people were like, Yeah, you know, the science doesn't really show that. But then it came about that the woman that was leading this said that women get um, endometriosis and cysts um, because they have sex with demons in their dreams. That well, hot, well, don't well me, you fuck. I, I no, it's just, it's <laughs> a, I just need to see the, the data, I guess. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, yeah, of course, uh, because I mean, yeah, the, the demon semen is causing women to have endometriosis, endometriosis and not able to have children. Um, and then there was, she also said that, um, doctors use alien DNA in medicine. Oh, um, and what was the third one was, oh, everyone is getting these microchips put in and, and, and they're hidden in vaccines that causes people to be unable to be religious. Where is the lie, Tom? Yeah. I, no, I would, I, I'm still curious where your problem with these uh, cold hard facts is. Right. So like when I got like that, like the one shot when I was a kid, my uber Irish Catholic mom was like, you know, this will do it. <laughs> It'll get him out. Yeah, not really well, to turn him against. Congratulations, him. it worked. So actually, your your proof, she's not wrong. It's true. So so the solution is demon semen keeps religion away. Pretty no, much, the demon semen keeps okay. the babies away. I think, but oh, okay. Uh, you know, they make just demon babies. I don't listen. I don't think it'll come as a surprise to anybody that I don't understand that stuff. <laughs> Maybe I, you know, I'm willing to hear it out. Okay, well. 
uh, going from Demon Seaman to our sponsors. Um, I want a big, big shout out. We're going to do, this is a special month. It is August. We are very thankful for our four primary sponsors, those being Closed Casket Activities, Run for Cover Records, To Live a Lie Records, and Death Wish Inc. They are fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, We are going to each week of this month just highlight one. We'll talk about their new releases. And I think it was only appropriate to start with Closed Casket Activities, who've had a pretty busy couple weeks, wouldn't you say, guys? Yeah. Mm. So put out a couple of things. Yeah. So, so big shout out, uh, a friend of the podcast in the truest sense, um, who put out the Gulch LP, uh, for about 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. For about 12 hours before it, all of the copies on the earth were sold out. Um, I'm pretty sure a repress is coming very soon. This dude is right on top of it. So keep your eyes out for that. I feel like, this is the biggest record that's come out during coronavirus season. Would you guys say? Yeah, I think no doubt. And here's a question for you guys. Isn't it nice? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just nice to have. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that like I saw, I listened to it at like 1207. I was like, yeah, there's fucking record rules. I got to order this when I get up. And when I got up, it was gone. Well, what I mean is, like so i'm i'm happy for the i'm happy for this uh, for the records being sold it's good for closed casket it's good for the band obviously but good i for uh, the economy good for the, you know, good for the economy support local sure so but i guess Fry i got offers let's go i got i got my feelings about it a little bit because i think it's just like like I don't know that you know I met the Gulch dudes once you know what i mean i i, I yeah. don't they all I seem rather like, like nice those kids. dudes they were very cool yeah they seem like nice yeah, kids me to me but I just, I don't know. Is it like getting old that you just want everybody to win? Or, or, or is that just like a, a, a feature that nice We've people have there. jump? We've gotten there. We've finally gotten there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody is know. rooting for other people. It's fucking beautiful. Uh, <laughs> yo, you know what? It's, it's, I think it's proper placement of the green eyes. I was talking about this with a friend of the program, uh, uh, Air Force J. Um, and, and, you know, Pat and Tom, I know you guys are both huge subscribers of it. Yo, save the jealous competitive energy for for your efforts, for your own fuel. Like, yo, you're getting on the stage? Crush everyone. Crush the demoniac. You're, you're trying to do a project? Yo, you want to be the best. You want to do it the best possible way you can. Use that energy of like, man, they did something great, or they're 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 seeing success. I want it to fuel yours, not to try to tear theirs down. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I mean, you guys weeping? I, I mean, I can't tell. There's, re- I no, mean, there's I, enough I, for everybody. So why don't we like, why don't we let that happen? And that's, I mean, yeah. I think it's fucking awesome. I think closed casket doing this with literally no real lead up time. No, he announced he announced the record was happening like a week before, not or the week of. Right, and then it put was it like, up. Hey, that was boom. it. No, none of the like. Here's a song. Here's this. The, the. Right. Nope, here's just a like, premiere. Okay, here, yeah, it here it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, the record's so, fucking fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm a sucker. I really like the cover art. Uh, it continues. Beautiful. I believe it's the same artist who did their their ten inch before. So so very cool. Um, everyone should go get it if you haven't gotten it try to 
some cool shirts coming too. So so check those. And also um, a new record by a little band called Vane Vane FM. Um, yes. It's a uh, it's a it's kind of a remix record of of some some of the tracks off of the LP um, Old Data and a New Machine Volume One. So it's it's actually eleven songs reimagined, remixed, and repackaged on twelve inch and CD. Um, and yo, that one is moving very fast too. No surprise at all. Uh, and like we've talked about Van a good amount here, you know, <clears throat> they are chaotic music twenty twenty. They are. I think I've seen people who range in fandom from converge to you know heavy heavy stuff to beat down stuff to stuff like orchid who all fuck with Vane. Yep. so if you fall into the spectrum which is a quite a large one you might want to check this band out and, and i know some of the people who really love Vane are really fucking with this record too so so a big yeah, I mean, shout out to our song, buddies there yeah yeah I mean, that first song on that record it's a fucking hit yeah like did you yeah. i mean it's all like clean vocals and stuff it's fucking awesome and the other stuff like the remixes are dope and like the re-recordings yeah. of some of the earlier stuff yeah. I, I, yeah I was not expecting that and all of a sudden it was there it was yeah and i mean uh he has other stuff coming out the unreal city a bunch of stuff is going on what what we urge you to do every week on this and, and we try to do it personal these reads very infrequently are they planned out more than three hours beforehand and this one was planned out about 15 minutes ago um because these are all labels that we support whether it's closed casket to live a lie death wish run for cover it's genuine we appreciate it please go to closedcasketactivities.com tom you're going to enter the promo code x to grind and patrick you have to spell it out get a discount just for listening to this podcast, that, that's pretty fucking good. Um, and show him support. I, I really, I really encourage everybody to do that. You can enter those same that same promo code, which Tom, the promo code is extra grind, and enter it at deathwishinc.com, to livealie.com, and runforcoverrecords.com, and also get a discount. How beautiful is that? Wonderful. It's gorgeous. Yo, so uh, again, thanks everybody. Uh, guys, do you all want to record another four hour part two episode, which is really behind the curtains? We did part one and part two back to back. So it was about seven hours of recording. Do you guys <laughs> want to just do that again? Like, let's hop on the mic right now? Or, or do you yeah, think we should not? go? Why don't we go a little easier? Oh, okay. You, so you're soft. I was shocked when I saw the, the episode go up on Tuesday and I was like, does that say three? I didn't put my glasses on yet. I was like, does that say three hours and 53 minutes? What the fuck? Yeah, it, it really calls into question our, our mental health because it, it it was long and you can you can hear us starting to die Unravel. at the end of it. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, you but, know, it's, it's the equivalent of like, you know, just having a job and doing it. Yeah. It's not really but, have uh, anything to do with any kind of but Tom, diagnosis. Tom, how do I feel about people that work? They're crazy as shit. That's true. You yeah. work an eight-hour job for eight hours crazy. consecutively? Crazy. Yeah, you'll be depending on us, those the folks that do work. When <laughs> do you when do you find time to catch up on YouTube videos? Yeah, there's yeah, a lot going on on YouTube out here. Um 
So, yo, uh, let's we're gonna have a little bit of a lighter episode. We're gonna mailbag. We got a couple questions that uh, that we've come up with ourselves, so we'll sprinkle those in. Guys, let me start off with a couple quick questions for you from the mailbag. This one goes right into uh, our our ad read. There, Mark from Philadelphia asks. Are Gulch and Drain a dyad in the Force? Thanks, Mark. Wow. Uh, do you, now, do you either of you know what a dyad in the Force is? I know what a dyad is. I think. Yeah, I mean, aren't they like, connected like yes. through the Force? Yeah. So, so uh, would that Ray make Sammy and, the Force? Man, Sammy probably is the Force because um, he's, he's in both bands. Yeah, yeah. He's um, the thing that t- tethers them together. Yeah, and. Um, it could potentially be seen as a Triforce because I believe Sammy's also in Hand of God, um, and Quick they've question. all toured together. Yeah, uh, not to not to pit not to pit favorites against each other, but you guys prefer the Drain record or the Gulch record? I haven't heard the Gulch record. I like the Drain record. <sighs> Yo, that's I tough. Quite, the Drain record's really good. They're totally different vibes. Like you, sure. yeah, they are. You could. Yeah, legit, are. I mean, there's no way of kind of. There's they're really apples and oranges. Like. The Drain record is like a fun, like thrash record. It's like you know what I mean. Like it's it's just like super fucking fun and energetic. Gulch is fucking heavy as shit, fast, and yep. just like it's 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 not fun. It's decidedly <laughs> and not in a bad. I don't mean that in a bad way. No, no, no. It's, it's ugly. Like it's a, like dirty music. Yeah, it's like a fucking like uh, it's harsh, man. It's you know, but it's it's fucking incredibly well done. But like I think they're so it's like kind of being like so who do you like better like you know fucking Slayer or Anthrax like, or whatever like yeah. you know it's like you're getting well, two flavors um, they're so different you can't really yeah to me Drain is the music you are uh, laying on the beach towel listening to and like kind of chilling with your buddies and like being goofballs and maybe like. Circle pitting around the, the yeah, around just the being, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Gulch is the music, is the soundtrack of getting pummeled by the waves very hard, over and over wow. and over, just like getting pounded in the surf, or like the fight at like, at like Del Taco after the beach. <laughs> yes, there. That's that's a good way to put it. And you're um, beating them with their we, belt. Can we say that Drain and Gulch are both Del Taco music? Yes, I'm currently uh, searching Pornhub for "Pounded in the Surf." Let's, let's oh, see if anything comes. Let's, let's see if get anything back to our up. beach porn vibes. Yeah, <laughs> "Pounded in the Surf" uh, should be. So, all right. Uh, thank you for answering my question. I haven't checked out the Gulch record yet. I, I've I've thought about it, and I'm almost a full month behind on every release that I'm supposed to listen to. Yeah. Like I listen to I listen to that Drain record. A, a, at least a full month later than r- really I should have. I'm I'm psyched on everybody that's. Listen, I don't want to get too uh, melancholy here, but uh, at this exact time, it feels like everybody is really interested in other people, and I think that that's okay to a degree. But I hope that we can get back to a place where we're interested in other people through what they create. Yeah. You know Let's what I mean? crucify I, the insincere tonight. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, what I'm saying is like, I think it's cool that people listen to us. I'm really grateful for that. And I think yeah, that thank we, you. I think we do a cool thing, uh-huh. but I also, I never want people to forget that we are, we're talking about music that you should then go listen to. 
<laughs> you know, like, like it's cool when we talk about these bands, mm-hmm. but I also I want people to remember, like, oh yeah, you know, listen, it, to, it, listen to the music, yeah, yeah. listen, Ooh, to, the listen to the that. music, all the time. Uh, listen to the music that we talk about. It, it's just it's, been on my mind a lot. <laughs> the gold truck is fifteen minutes long. There um, you go. Yeah. That we talk is this the part where, where Tom tells you you got to keep that same energy or what? Yeah, man. <laughs> got a Susie the Banshees cover. Fucking man up. Get in. Uh, Yo, how right. cool is it that, that we've been able to help some bands create some music? So shout out to Gulch and Drain. Uh, that Web Wing Live set that we did a couple weeks ago is really cool. Um, just so everybody knows, these bands aren't coming to us and recording. We got a f- four maybe more sets that are in the can that were recorded way back in the pre-COVID times. So, uh, so we were talking about Webwing. The the I finally I was we were talking about Brian, Nick, and I about it. And yeah, how yeah. great they sounded and they fucking they were amazing. And I was like, got to be honest with you, first time I heard it was on the podcast because I was sitting in a van in a truck outside. That's right, recording podcasts <laughs> and worrying about a man getting hit by a train. That's exactly right. Yeah, that was the day. So people who've been listening, <laughs> there's an episode that we talk about a man getting hit by a train. In that episode. I'm also running back and forth recording intros Incredible. for some of these yeah. live. Yeah, that was a fun that was a fun day. And Patrick was on a day off of drug church tour and we drove him to the drug church show immediately following recording. So uh, Right, Starland Ballroom. Yeah, shout out to your vocal cords, buddy. Stay um, working. So yeah. <laughs> all right. We've got a quickie from John Liu. Oh, this was this isn't this isn't uh, a question, but it's probably old news by the time you see this, but figured you'd collectively dig. He's right. This is about the um, the DC punk li- DC Public Library's punk archive, um, which unearthed a ton of old film, like uh, old footage of Fugazi, full sets Fugazi, Dagnasty, Government Issue, Moss Icon, Shudder to Think, Scream, Seven Seconds, Descendants, Marginal Man, Gray Matter, One Last Wish, Soul Side, Half Japanese, Fire Party, DOA, Sacred Trust, Doughboys, Guar, Gangrene, Jerry's Kids, Lemonheads, and a lot more, all from like 87, 88, 89. Oh, wow. Oh, it says, oh, this is a guy. Um, so this is Soreb Habibian who uh, played, sang in the band Edsel, and then joined Drive Like Jehu and the Hot Snakes. Um, uh, Rick Froberg in a band Obits. Um, And he's in a current band, Savak. Savak, maybe? Savak. Um, Which also includes members of Nation of Ulysses and Silent Majority and Enon. Um, I watched a couple of these. They're pretty amazing. And they're full sets. Um, And the public library had them? Yep. Yep, so the link is out there. Search for it. Um, DC Public Library Punk Archive. Uh, pretty cool. So um, I think actually the quality is pretty amazing. And uh, this is not a lot of stuff you see elsewhere. I mean, it was the first time I had seen One Last Wish live material. Like Fuck video. Cool. So so yeah, uh, thanks, John. Um, and I figured that was good enough to share with everyone. Hell um, yeah. It's, it's kind of cool. All right. Um, the title of this question is Albany and a Stolen Greyhound Bus from Simon. He says, Hardcore friends, I've been delving into my zine archive as the libraries are shut down and I'm too cheap to buy books. Salute. While reading the 90s Chicago area hardcore zine Persist, have it, I found a review of a zine called 
just because I don't didn't leave the driving to us, I get I got jailed and juiced good. The review kicks off as such. This maniac stole a goddamn Greyhound bus, then decides to write about the ordeal. The address for said zine is in Albany, New York. Any <laughs> intel on this fascinating ta- tale? Is this shit for real? Thanks. Peace, Simon. Thank you, Simon. Did Simon pro- provide the um, address offline, like that, and we didn't read it? No, no. Like, he just said the address said for said zine is in Albany, New York. I can I can see if he can send it to us. And then we send Pat on a reconnaissance mission. And yeah, I'm, gu- I'm guessing uh, I'm guessing Johnster X's house would be uh, <laughs> would be my guess. Is that um, who who was most likely from the Albany scene? I'll ask both you guys from the Albany scene of the '90s. Who's most likely to have stolen a Greyhound bus and wrote a zine about it? There's a super nice kid who I hesitate to say because his life was out of sorts at that time. Uh, if he hasn't Andrew stolen Duggan. a Greyhound. If he hasn't stolen a Greyhound bus, I'd be somewhat shocked. Uh, but then there's other Albany legends, you know, like <laughs> certainly Johnster X is a fucking Albany legend for for kind of oddball behavior. Uh, I I don't know who that could be. It's a great. I hope that it happened though. That, that's my strongest uh, takeaway here. Tom, do you have any guesses for Albany? I mean, folks I have a few. You know okay. I mean, I feel like Josh Rath might have done it. Um, somebody from maybe like Disciples of Berkowitz. Yes. Like maybe maybe the guy from Clay People that ran the door at QE2. Grubby Mike. Uh, Was he on your list, PK? Uh, no, I, I love Grubby Mike. <laughs> he was always super nice. And speaking of when we were talking about legalese before, you would have to sign a release before you got to go into the show. Yes. I, I wonder if Grubby Mike on Instagram yeah. as Grubby Mike. Hold on. Gonna look this up. Sorry, go on. So you aren't being mean and calling him Grubby Mike. That's like his. No, name. no, no. No, I think that's. I think that might even be his performing name. Uh, <laughs> I, everybody knew him as Grubby Mike for, for a long, long time. So, um, those would be my guesses. Um, like the one king down dudes were like too clean cut. I don't think they would do that. Steve Reddy doesn't need to steal a Greyhound bus. No, he'll just run. He'll run beside one. Like in uh, the original Christopher Reeve movie where he's running beside uh, Superman, (laughs) I guess we can call it. He's running beside the train. It's just Steve racing a Greyhound bus out of Albany. Um, All right. Well, so this is our mission. We know we have some 518 listeners. Please find us the author of said Greyhound bus stealing zine. And uh, that is a guest I think we all would like. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, like, if we do find him or, or her. Yeah. Do we have, oh, yeah. Can we have them on and like let's do like a reading or like you just tell us the whole story? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And why didn't you pick up Pat? Because you know, yeah. Pat and if we can't, if we can't track them down, I feel like we should just do a dramatic reading of said zine. I'm into we it. each take on roles, like you know, uh, I can be the Greyhound bus driver. Tom, you can be the main character. Pat can be some bit parts here and there. Right. Though like maybe I could be like the guy waiting at the station that. I'm, yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. We're working. I've been I've been wanting to do, um, you know, telenovela radio for a long time. So yeah, can, can I can yeah. I share the best energy of the year with you? Of course. Uh, so looking up Grubby Mike on Instagram, not a ton of hits. Uh, it, it seems like. A, a couple accounts with no posts and then a post that looks like if I'm going to hazard a guess, somebody's 
uh, some maybe somebody's relative with an intellectual disability was was asking, "Can I get on Instagram?" And then somebody created this Instagram for a one-time use for this person. It's a it's one photo of, uh, of a person with a disability, and the then there's this other one, Mike E G eighty three, who has the best energy I've ever seen in my life. Mm. His photo is him ripping a guitar solo, and it's grubby in quotations, Grubmeister. And then, and then crying, laugh, laugh, cry emoji as though he's laughing at his own funny name. And then (laughs) his bio is life is way too short. Just do what makes you happy. Hashtag one life. Live it. I think I'm going to, he's private, but I'm going to follow him. Ad. Yeah. That's an ad. That's an ad. The clay people played a show in New York city in 2018. Oh yeah. They had a little, like a comeback thing. They did it. They were, they played the Gramercy theater opening for stabbing westward. Oh yeah! Wow, that's a uh, gig. Hold on, I got a pretty big West- gig. October twenty eighteen. You got some stabbing Westward stories for us? Sort of. Hold on, I, I are I, you related to someone from stabbing Westward? I hope so. No, no, no. Okay, so so this is uh, there's a country or folk or whatever the fuck uh, musician who is uh, a friend of a friend who I clicked through to the other day, and they posted a uh, Trocadero uh, gig list from 1994 that they, that their brother had saved. Uh, now I'm going to list these shows to you and I'd be curious. Obviously it's not fair to look at, does the truck still exist or is it, what's it called now? It still no, exists. I think, I think it's still the truck. Okay. I thought it was, um, I thought it closed. That might be. It's yeah. It's the, yeah. you know, it's another one like, um, the, uh, union arts transfer, whatchamacallit. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm just going to be honest. I can't keep up. Anyway, oh, no. Farewell, Trocadero, June, uh, May 31st, June. Uh, so last year, it looks like it closed. Mm-hmm. Anyway, All right, Troc. Uh, so uh, now, uh, this is not fair to compare things from what people look back as a golden era to last year and and say, oh, look how bad things have gotten. Because clearly, there's been a lot of good stuff between 1994 and today, right? But there is something instructive about this lineup, which goes from October 7th to November 10th. Here's the shows. Uh, Dead Milkmen is one show. All right. Yep. Okay. Uh, L7 with the Melvins and Wool wow. is the next one. Uh, here's, the, here's the only one that I don't recognize, actually. Dead Eye Dick with Huffamoose. I don't they're, know. I feel like they're like a mindless self-indulgent type band. Uh, Yo, those I bands, both those bands, uh, say their names again. Mindless Moose. No, no, Dead Eye Dick. Dead Eye Dick. <laughs> accompanied with Huffamoose. Yeah, Huff those are those are bands on the bands Patrick's most likely to get into in 2020. That's <laughs> Dead Eye Dick. <laughs> then there is next show is Pavement with Guided by Voices opening. Wow, that's a good. That's one. a good show. I don't think Dead Eye Dick is actually the band that I'm thinking it is. Um, Dead Eye Dick was an American alternative rock trio that was formed in New Orleans in uh, 1991. It's definitely not the same band. Okay. Sorry. Uh, uh, and then on the Stoned and Dethroned tour, uh, oh, which we'll I really like the record a lot. It's not the favorite of Jesus and Mary Chain fans, but it is my favorite of their records. Uh, Jesus and Mary Chain with Mazzy Star opening. Wow. wow. That's uh, a good one. That's a good one. That's two shows. Then... Uh, next show is Sebado with Dog-Faced Hermans and Bunny Brains. That's crazy that the Bunny Brains have been around for that fucking long because yeah. I think they continued to put out records until like last year. Um, and then Ween is the next show. Hmm. Uh, Never got and it. And then 
And then D-Light. You remember D-Light? Is that groove is in the heart? You got it. All right. Uh, that has a big, that's got the middle section with like a big graphic on it because they were definitely a big deal. And we're going to bring out people at that time. Then we got, uh, dinosaur junior is the next show. All right. Uh, then the Lou Barlow yeah, so beef. Close. beef. <laughs> Back beef. then it was, I think. Yes, it was. Yeah. Then there's super chunk, the wedding present. That's, that's the early show. Mm-hmm. Wow. Late show offspring with rancid. Wow. Then October October 29th, Pig Face. I, I'm the only person that maintains a Pig Face fandom. Yes. Uh, <laughs> then on the 30th, back with Do-Rag. And so they're not all hits, guys. They're, they're not all hits. I but mean, they're, they're a lot they're, of buying onto tours on that list. <laughs> how, and how, then, where, how did we get here? My brain is spinning. I've been to the beach three times today. So Roll with me here. Next up, we got on Halloween... Killing joke with stabbing westward. Wow, now, well, that's how we now, got here. Yes, but here's what I wanted to point out: is that that is an insane lineup of things that still resonate with people today. I mean, pig face not included, or do rag probably not included. Well, but like, pig face has got some. There's some people. Yeah, probably do rag not as many. No. But the, but my point is that like, there's been times where I bet we could have looked at the Trocadero's uh, uh, lineup. And in the last 10 years, say, and not a single thing would still be touring or have resonance at all. And I think that that's an interesting phenomenon. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's a murderer's row of things that were like big in the alt world at that time. For sure. But, But we remember those things still fondly, whereas I don't know. If like I don't know, design the skyline, you know, <laughs> or whatever was big ten years ago is going to nearly stick to the ribs as much. Sure. All right. Sorry, I said an obvious thing. Everybody, keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't finish the. I think you're going up to November seventh. Wait, what, oh, sorry, what, what was, was the qu- question? I'm so lost. The, I well, was the question out- was who who might have taken the Greyhound bus? Oh, that's I right. Yes, and then then the we played people. Yes, and I played a show. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. And Vel- Velocity Girl was the last act to play that month, Tom. Ooh, <sighs> I love. That's my favorite band. No, well, no, Dinosaur Junior. But yeah, this good. Velocity. That was a good list of bands, actually. All right, it's um, a crazy list of bands. Like, there's people that probably own seven records from different bands in their collection today. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like that's just a wild, wild go on. I'm Real quick question that. for, yeah. for both you guys. Do you think pavement is quietly underrated in the hardcore space specifically? Yes. Like for, for kids who, for a whole, like there's a whole way, like everybody who's either old or even young now all fuck with post hardcore in some way, shape or form. I, but pavement seems kind of on the outside looking in. Uh, yes. Although in hardcore in, only, you in know, hardcore, super yeah. big otherwise, so, right? Like headlining festivals in Europe, big, but like in like hardcore kids like Dinosaur Junior, and I feel like Pavement was always like boneless Dinosaur Junior. Ooh, wow! Yeah, I, I don't like Pavement very much at all, but I would say that if you can, if if there's listeners who like who need a a snobbier Texas is the reason, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. s- something like that, where you're looking for something that's not aggressive, but still is obviously guitar guys that like to have a good time. You could yeah. do worse. All right. All right. Let's, let's recenter. Daniel hit us to, to get us back on track. 
Is integrity an accidental crust band? No. I don't think it's accidental. Oh, okay. Diff- different approach than I got. I feel like the, those brothers especially mm-hmm. loved enough Japanese, like, crusty type things that it was intentional. Yeah. Uh, so is integrity – yeah is, yeah. is integrity the band accidental crust? Um, man, no. But for a brief moment that is systems overload, yes. Um, I think they – and and maybe some of humanity some of too. a couple other records, yeah, yeah. Some of humanity they get there, but but like um, I mean, Hollow the song like the hit yeah. off of Humanity yeah. is pretty much a crust song, right? Well, it's it's almost they hit a spot that I think you guys actually and Tom I think they nailed like Catharsis. Catharsis wasn't really a crust band musically. No, they were more no. like metalcore, you know. They were, more, but they yeah. kind of played in that scene. Integrity definitely is crustier than Catharsis, despite the fact that that um, you know I don't think there were. I mean, maybe currently Integrity's black shirt music, but but <laughs> certainly during that time, that wasn't black shirt music, you know. No, that's true. PK, yeah. where, where were you falling on this? I f- I fall no, just because I I think that they look. Integrity is one of those things where it feels like it feels like a singular vision because Dwight has been helming it for so long. But I think as our integrity deep dive proved, it's that dude has just pursued a million different angles. And I I don't know how often he wanted to be the crust lord as much as he might have wanted to be um big room metal lord (laughs) so i'm saying i'm saying no although i recognize that japanese and crust have significant crossover and that and that certainly those fellas borrowed from that world but i i just i think with with twid i really that's a guy who had like seemingly had some type of stardom that went beyond all that world pretty early no, for sure. I, I think we got to, like, you know, different bands operate differently. And sometimes vocalists get very knee-deep in the music, and sometimes vocalists are purely reactionary to what that music is that's given to them. And I'm not saying that Dwid just took what music was written and, and dropped vocals on. Like, if he thought something sucked, he might say it sucks. But I think he's kind of reacting to whatever the music is. And, and much what Tom said, I think, is true. I think the Melnick's... Uh, through their journey, you kind of follow it and see as they discover more and more. And I'm not saying they didn't know it early on, but I think you can tell they started to wear some of those influences more on their sleeves through humanity and uh, systems for sure than they had on uh, those who fear, you know? So, um, so no, but my answer is no, but for a moment, yes. And uh, I think, I think all things are, are acceptable on that question there. Uh, a quick one, and then Pat, I'd love to get into your. Uh, you got a couple of questions for for the group too. Um, a hardcore question for the hardcore podcast. Yes, Mike. Mike asks, Hi, Mike. "Can a straight edge band just decide to not be a straight edge band anymore when someone in the band breaks edge? Isn't that the easier thing to do? Can we accept them still if they just lose the whole edge thing?" Mike Lawson. Like rather than break up, yeah. Can they just stop being straight edge? I mean, there's, I, there, there's several models for this. Yes. Yeah, they didn't always work though. 
No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally I right. I don't know. As a fucking elderly edgeman, I think there are straight edge bands out there that didn't necessarily make everything about straight edge. Yep. That you might be able to get away with it. But if it's yeah. like everything you have have X's on it and you're like full on, you know, every song is about fucking being straight edge and like, you know, at the reunion show, you're having a fucking Michelob at the bar before you play. <laughs> yeah. That's not, not a, good, a look. good look, my guy. Yeah. Got to be honest with you, man. Like there's bands out there. I mean, th- there's bands that are probably like you wouldn't even realize that all four or five members are straight edge. Oh, yeah. definitely not. Yeah. You wouldn't even yeah. know. You know what I mean? So it's like whatever. But if it's like if that's all you got, if that's like your fucking shtick and then one of – I mean primarily the lyricist if we're being honest. Right. Lyricist, front man. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like – I mean there's bands that we still consider straight edge bands that are definitively <laughs> not straight edge bands anymore. Um, but like, I mean I, I think it still is. I, I, I got a lot of respect for – how utilitarian choke got about these things. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, yeah, we're playing straight edge songs. He's like, uh, drummer, you, you're drunk. He's like, can you play? And he's like, well, I'm the one with the mic. So it's a straight edge band. You know, it, like that, <laughs> it, that's, uh, that was some really early on, uh, Boston, I thought led the way <laughs> on, Oh, Hey, you know, casual edge. Yeah, it's 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 a straight edge band, you know what I mean? Uh, Is it but, because it was like a lack of like people involved, so they have to like kind of take what they could get. Okay, so if I had to guess, and he can write us, or um, or or friends, a, a friend, a people that were close at the time can hit us. In regards to Slapshot in particular, firstly, he's a he's a, a strong personality, mm-hmm. and strong strong personalities don't always keep bandmates, and secondly. I think he actually got really intense about a subject that we're going to get into soon, which is I think he really insisted people could play. And if you're trying to be a great band, like, look, now we've got acts like, like sect. And I don't know if sect is straight edge, but they're certainly vegan. Right. And straight edge, yeah. okay. So that's a super group where those people live in, and there's a new one. There's a new one with uh, Scott Krause. Um, yes. Fuck. And and homeboy from magnitude and yeah. Dan, from, Dan from die young. Daniel right. Um, so what you'll notice about those acts is that those people don't live in the same city at all. And, and <laughs> they live across the country from each other, really. Right. And and this is a thing that is just this wasn't always really possible. Um, you had to be a very dedicated band bandmate to make that work. Uh, and they existed. But I mean, think about, we've talked about this. Think about if you're like trying to be a political band of any stripe, unless your message is something incredibly agree uh, like agreed upon such as no war you know i mean or or racism bad like (laughs) if if it goes any deeper than those you're you might have a hard time putting together five people who feel equally as strongly about it as you do and if you can then firstly i mean this is an obvious one don't expect everybody to stay for the whole ride and then secondly it's they might not be great players so i i think that if technology has done anything cool for, for music, it's, Oh no, we can be worlds apart and still like write, put together, like then meet up, put together this shit and make it work. So, uh, I, I think that my guess would be that choke after probably saw the implosion of the early Boston stuff and said, you know what? I'm driving this ship 
and I'm making, uh, I'm treating this like I'm like a manager in, or, or a general manager in baseball. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'm making decisions for the team and, and just did it like that. Uh, so, oh, so, so the band is Tooth and Claw. I just looked it up just so there you go. So people aren't yelling at the it's tooth, so it's Tooth and Claw. It's it's um, Cameron from Magnitude and Eco Strike, Scott Kraus, James Chang from Undying Sect and Catharsis, and then Daniel Austin from Die Young. Yo, it's I, cool. I, I, yeah, I love that this is a thing. It's M- awesome. More, I to more the one song they put out or teaser was cool. More vegan bands that are like I don't know. I I could talk about this for an hour. Keep 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 it moving, fellas. Uh, so straight edge bands, uh, can they continue being a band? Yes. Is it always in good taste? Eh, that's for you to decide. Yeah. Uh, Bane seems to have done it pretty well. Um, True. Uh, opinions, mileage varies on many, many, many other bands who've, who've made the transition. Uh, now, all right. So Bob, I got a question. Yeah. It's not a question. Well, it is yeah. a question. So like, all right. So the times I've seen strife mm-hmm. since say Rick, is not straight edge anymore. I don't know if the, I, I'm not sure if the rest of the band is couple are couple. Yeah. Couple right. are. Yeah. Right. So I, I mean, I kind of appreciated how they handled it. Like, so one time I saw them in Brooklyn and they had Corey Williams sing the overt straight edge songs, which is really appropriate because that's some uh, thousand Oaks straight edge right there. Exactly. So I thought that was like, okay, you're not like fucking going through the motions. Cause you know, people want to hear this song and it, that doesn't mean as much to you as it may have. So you got someone who still means something to it. I, I thought that was pretty. I thought that was a for sure a, a good way, a clean way of, of of handling it. I think I think uh, the strife one is is probably the mixed bag, right? I think in yeah. in their in their wizened gray years, they've they've done it well. Like they've done that. They've kind of like, all right, we're gonna have these dudes do the uh, force of change. You know, like right. The, right. we're gonna have other people come in. But but there was also the anger means era. Where it seems like it was a little messy dealing with the uh, no edge status. So, um, so the real answer happy. is, yeah, the real answer is, if the primary focus of your band is straight edge and straight edge lyrics, probably not going to be able to to not to to continue on. But if you got you know other focuses, mm, you might you know, uh, and it it depends. It also depends on the players, you know, like yo, have hearts a band who pretty heavy focus on straight edge when you actually break it down but i bet there's a lot of people who wouldn't give a rip if they were a band who wasn't straight edge but the players care very much that they were straight edge you know so right. uh you know that it's it's kind of how it breaks down um so we were talking about players and and competency pk you want to segue into one of your questions Smooth. Sure. So this this was uh, uh, kicked off by a conversation that you were having uh, mm-hmm. with I I don't know if he's a producer or an engineer or, uh, or just a nerd. The super uh, super music head, my buddy Matt Molnar. What's up, Matt? So uh, Matt was commenting on the proficiency uh, of uh, uh, the band Minor Threat. Yeah. And saying that you know if if you really dig deep on it, it these dudes were session level players. Uh, yeah. Long and, story short, they're so good they could go in and record out of step two takes, just kick it out. Yeah. yeah. So and when you listen, it got, like it, it put a different perspective to me, where I was like, "Let me go back and listen." And I was listening to Out of Step for the first time in a long time on a headphones listen, and I was like, "Yo, he is not wrong at all. They are they are tight 
as a drum. They are they are doing stuff that Pierce couldn't couldn't get away with if they like hired their uncle's guitar buddy to come do it. You know, like they're doing some crazy stuff. So I'm sorry. Continue, PK. It's all right. Here's the thing. If we recognize Minor Threat as a pillar, uh, a canon band, not just because they were early, but also because they've lasted this long in all of our consciousness, uh, consciousness, and, and we look at other bands that have done the same. I'm thinking Bad Brains. Uh, I'm thinking uh, Black Flag. These are acts that are still important to people today. Is it, do these bands demonstrate either by being really great players or really innovative players that the notion that hardcore is about just about energy and that you can get by without being a great player or uh, is, or that you can create something lasting and important in the genre, uh, and not be a great player. Is that all horseshit that bad players just tell themselves? Because if we think about it, the stuff that we continue to love is not, it's not earth mover. No, the stuff that we look back on and say, this really, really matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a great framing because so, so, cause we do, you know, the story is old as time, like hardcore is not about, you don't, you know, just pick up a guitar and play. And that's right. Like that's the right energy. And, and yo, there are legendary bands who got by on just their energy. Right. Yeah. But then when we start going through and really like, let's skim the creme de la creme, best of the best, bad brains competent players plus plus like incredible I mean, musicians, it's great right play in hardcore music right like like and and what i'm saying too by the way minor threat is probably closer to them than we are willing to acknowledge which is oh wild. that's fair yeah um competency is through the roof creativity through the roof and then all that hey over the top energy uh, you know, showmanship, excitement is also there in an exponential way. You can say the same about Minor Threat. Black Flag, probably all those things, notable for their creativity, notable for their competency. And as a live show, yeah, they were there, you know? Yeah. Chromax. And Well, so that's where we get yeah, in. Sorry. Like, Chromags are a great example. I think competency in players like almost inarguable you know yeah. um fanatics about being competent creativity age of quarrel yo and pk you actually strong you don't care for the record but i think you can also admit is there another record that sounds like it no and and also i have i'm like the stan lee uh, uh apologist sure. for in, in this respect i think that john joseph is not given his due I know that there is like a narrative that he was the hack in the band because he's technically speaking like the least musical, but his, his vocal stuff is more than dynamic and it's, yo, I don't even like it. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you that for me as a guy who has to go to a studio tomorrow and record, it's, he's not a fucking hack. You know what I mean? No, I mean, yeah. So I don't know. I just always think that that's crazy because 
people, the narrative has shifted because John is not always, he doesn't always come off cool. So like people have rewritten Harley as being the only genius in that band, but no, that's true. I don't, You're totally right. I, but I don't think that's true. I don't think Harley, I think they're all incredible. I, mean, I think I Harley like, is the Stan Lee here and, and like, there's plenty of reasons to write him off, but, but, uh, it's uh, John Joseph, the Bill John Joseph, John Joseph. No, uh, John Joseph's bait. the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Kirby, you know what I mean? Where, but, but Jack Kirby, Kirby might, that, that Jack Kirby, it might not be fair. Jack Kirby's pretty incredible. Um, you do a good job. He's Good like job. Bill Finger. He finally got he finally got the His props de- that he deserved. Yeah, he got it right here. Um, so so the question being, should we be honest? Like like I said about Minor Threat, like, and this is a good question for the man. But like, if Ian Mackay was starting a band, even at eighteen, I don't think that dude just looked around and said, "Oh, I'll just grab Jimmy and Joe and Joe and Brian." You know, like let's do this. It's like, nah, I'm gonna get that guy's pretty good and that guy's really yeah. good and this guy's pretty good. Let's, let's do a band, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, all of his bands were like sort of super groupy, right? I mean, well, I mean, or he just looked around and got the best possible people to do it. Right. Like right. even yeah. the stories of Fugazi are, are that he didn't, he took his time they took their time putting that band together. You know, it wasn't, uh, I think it's safe to say there's very few things from the discord camp that are done in a willy-nilly fashion and uh i would say band formation would fall under that category of being done in a uh smart and thoughtful way so yeah so and i mean we fast forward you we can go through hardcore i think that this thesis might be one of the best ones that we've all had pk this is a good one competency matters um and it's something that i think I, i talked about in relation to sports but also works in, in music and hardcore and speci- specifically sometimes we talk about who's the best but to me there's the best is kind of quantitative like how competent you can be how good you are whereas who's the greatest brings in some of those x factors of creativity uh live show showmanship all this stuff that the, the flair that's kind of the it's not intangible we can all feel it but it's like what separates Michael Jordan from a lot of other basketball players? It wasn't just that he was better. There's certainly players that are, were as skilled or could do a lot of the same things he did, but then he executed it and had that, that style with it and, and attitude. And so, so that's, we, we often in hardcore discount competency, right? Like, would you say that's the case? Oh yeah. I'd say that we just like buy into this canard that it's not, it's not really, you know, that it's very secondary. And I think it's, bu- I think it's bullshit. What is that? that uh, you, uh, you seem very far away from the microphone. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Um, uh, much better. Just yeah. stay, stay so, close. I, I have two takes on this. If I may go number one, I feel like the whole, like you don't have to be able to play your instruments to be able to be a punk and hardcore band was like, I feel like that was like a tagline for like the Sex Pistols. Yeah, it kind of feels like slide. You know what I mean? To kind of be like, these are, they're not great, but did you see these guys? Like, I think that's right. You know, and, and there's bands. If you look at it over over the last forty years, the bands that really kind of resonated forever are the bands that were like charismatic and competent. You know what I mean? Like 
all right, so like Victim and Pain. Yep. Were they the best musicians in the in the scene at that time? Probably not. Not even close. I'll say but, that. <laughs> right, but they were competent and they had charisma through the fucking roof. Yo, I, I, I'm going to use like, that. Yeah. I, I just want to say, I think that's an example where the other stuff, exactly what you said, the charisma, the energy, the, the power, if we will. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, carries it so much. And that's an example where, like, that's a, that's a rare animal. Like, and yeah, it's yeah. and you know like like if you listen to victim in pain and out of step side by side it's the difference between someone who is in a 7th grade multiplication class and someone who's doing you know college calculus you know what i mean like they're really right. different out of step came out first what you know yeah. um yeah. And and that's not there's not yo it's not to dismiss AF like holy shit no no, no. Yeah. victim and pain's one of and so here's here's where we go victim and pain is also one of the best records but it's mostly the best because of the energy and feeling around it so what we really mean is victim and pain is one of the greatest hardcore records ever is it the best recorded is it the best executed is it the best played competent nah but boy that's one of the few things the buoyancy of all the energy and power behind those songs propels it into the stratosphere with with rock for light with out of step with age of quarrel with damage with my war on the strength of yeah exactly exactly and 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 i think you're right too go ahead yeah no and i think also like there's like a, a sweet spot for for like competency that like where the best players lie. I feel like Bad Brains are an, are an outlier because they they could have been like a fucking jazz fusion trio and we never would have heard of them. And right, you know what I mean. They would have been just some insane band that played like you know Village Underground or something. You know what I mean. They were like, I felt like they were slumming it playing hardcore and punk almost. Sure, I think you know, but like I think there's a certain point. There's like a tipping point that like there are bands you know in the last 20 years that are insanely competent at their at their instruments like incredible players like you could put them in front of like your metalhead uncle and he'd be like holy shit that guy can really shred or that woman fucking plays ba-, you know whatever yep they can't write a fucking song no the and creativity component a, has to be there yeah but i think there's like a like a, a tipping point that like the the create creativity almost gets like overrun by competency trying to be the like the the shreddiest of shreds well so that's exactly right because there's been in recent years there's been people who go online and are like from vaguely from this world who are like meh dr no not a great guitar player i'm better than him and it's like nope. oh it's yeah like, i remember that yeah like <laughs> oh i mean nah, man. i guess maybe you can play a lot of stuff but man he wrote a lot of stuff. Right. That the and people like, you're copying copied from him. Right. And like so and, and to question that dude's competency is crazy and you look like an idiot. But but you're right. So there's the that's the, the dual edged blade. The dual edged sword is the idea that we collectively low rate competency and 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 in in our classic bands. Like yo, turnstile man, those dudes can rip. 
They can yeah. fucking play. Drummer's amazing. Like, yeah, they're like a fucking, yeah. Ceremony? Yo, like, like yep. I want to say this. That's a band who has progressively gotten better and better but even when they were doing their their blazing fast kind of blasting music, they were precise with it. That's the reason why they stood out. Yes, because they there's if there were a hundred bands who were doing that, they would probably be number one in proficiency. Because yep. if you try that sound and you don't, you're toast. You're you're just another throwaway. Like oh, this band's fast, but like it doesn't seem to all come together they pulled the seams together tight to make it the way it was. So um, I think there's a huge argument for, Hey, we low rate it collectively, but let's not get ahead of ourselves and put the cart in front of the horse and say that, that it matters more than creativity. Cause it 2000% doesn't because victim in pain is better than whatever metal core record recorded in the last 20 years that you want to cite as being, more proficient is and that's because victim in pain is fucking incredible and if you don't understand that right, I I mean, think about, like, you gotta like, pause the podcast and listen bands. to it <laughs> what were you gonna say yeah all right we'll be back in 20 i mean think about like all the like tech bands that are like oh you guys are like incredible like doing things that no one's ever done in guitar like this is like insane couldn't name me a fucking. They couldn't write a melody to fucking kill themselves. No, right, and 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 you know, we, I think sort of what we're getting to too is that it's the same thing in the process. Like if you are someone who can write, like I, I've worked with a bunch of dudes who are very talented musicians. Some of the best musicians know when to rein it in and pull it back and not put, put that. Let me, let me rip a solo here ahead of, let me put together a cogent song. Let me put together a song that makes sense and feels good. And that people are responding to a lot of times. That's where you end up with, riff salad that's where you end up with songs that have too many parts that's where you end up with records that feel disjointed whereas the more creative minded like yo walter schreifels is a super talented dude and he's certainly a good player like he can play guitar but his creativity eclipses that so much it's almost like it pales in comparison to how creative and like well thought out when you listen to the records he writes regardless of the genre like gorilla biscuits start today that record sings in a way that almost none of the other records from that whole scene do because he constructed this record that's like melodic and fast and undeniably a new york hardcore record but you can't cite almost any other records it's like it's token entry on steroids but it's almost unfair to token entry to compare the two you know yeah i feel like we're talking about like you know like the sliders in like a video game like you know, uh, like when they put out like a new Madden and oh, like so and so is rated, you know, ninety four in speed and eighty two, and th- I feel like that's what we're talking about. Like it could be like Walter is probably oh a, yeah, you know, we could do an eighty five in competency, <laughs> but he's like a ninety nine in 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 creativity. Yeah, and, and he might be an eighty, but but uh, he also might be higher than eighty because his creativity overshadows it. It's clearly a ninety nine. Um, yeah. So. Patrick, what is an example of a band in the last 20 years that you would cite as an example of this? Like that standing head and shoulders above and and is standing the test of time because we look at it. Yes, they got the charisma. They got the energy. They got the creativity. But also, they're just damn good players. I mean, well, Converge is the most obvious 
one, yep. sure. right? Like, uh, I would also, I think that there's a bit of a gimmick to Dillinger escape plan. Um, but they outlasted the gimmick and, and they, uh, soared, uh, post gimmick. So, I uh, I would list them as well because Dillinger doesn't mean anything to me. I don't even really like it, you know, but there's no debating that, it, that they're, their fans are, Oh, cave would be another great example. Um, these are acts that, that kind of went past, uh, the expectations of them and certainly really shine brighter than their peers. People would argue bot- botch as well. Um, botch is actually a great example because I, I'll go further than Tom. I consider it somewhat, uh, charisma free. <laughs> but mm. it is uh it's undoubtedly played cleverly and well you know what i mean and, and i think that that actually resonated with people but i will say this i think that hardcore kids have become by and large better players oh so, sure and it raises the yeah. bar a bit you know yeah yeah for sure i i, I might have said this on this podcast before a friend of mine was uh, a drummer for like a fairly recognizable metal act corny though they may be and they he was saying he he was he was in the game from the time he was 18 to the time he was 30 and kids that came up under him he said were infinitely better and saw him as a reference they'd be like dude i grew up trying to learn your parts but what those those kids are trying to mimic drum parts that are all triggered and punched in Right. And, and so you have these kids that are holding themselves to a, a basically physically impossible standard and but getting the, and, close, but getting really close. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, I think that that's amazing. Like my father and I were talking about, uh, well, we're talking about the NBA, but then somehow we transitioned into major league baseball and how, uh, well, okay. Baseball. Yeah. Uh, Joe, Joe DiMaggio's shoulders were no broader than mine. Yep. I, uh, and I think, uh, I think Mickey Mantle was like 170 pounds. Yeah. Now, yeah. Oh, people look at my son and say, it looks like he runs like Mickey Mantle because Mickey Mantle ran like a small child. <laughs> now, is there a Yankee that is under 200 pounds? Yo, you know Aaron I mean? judge is, is Mickey Mantle with, with like three dudes wrapped around his torso. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's also like an abnormal human being. Yeah, I had no idea he's as big as he is. He's so big. It's insane. But, yes. But, but the thing is, is that, you know, um, everything is, everything gets ramped up. I mean, technology alone will account for so much of that, you know? So, so, uh, it's almost an unfair thing, you know, uh, we have to look at certain players in sports, particularly look, look at certain players and be in awe of what they accomplished at the time with their bodies and mm-hmm. there's, there's no way that they could compete with an athlete today. You know, there's I mean? just no way. So, uh, in some respects, apples and oranges, or at least oranges and like, uh, grapefruit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say that the, the, I think the bigger test here is classic or traditional, traditional, well, let's say well, tr- traditional hardcore. Yeah. Who is, uh, you, I, who is, I got one right now. It's half, okay, hard. it's half hard. And, Interesting. and, and I, I'll say this because like, yo, those are our buddies of mine. We tend to big up, have heart They're you know, whatever it's cool. But like, I, 
I kind of low rated their records and you know, like they, they were around when I was super active and stuff, but like they didn't hit me the same way. But when you see the way they hit people and then you hear how well, like those dudes can play their instruments. The drummer of have heart, Sean Costa is like unreal. Like he's unreal. Like he's, he's generational level player in hardcore you know especially of the more traditional form like he's pretty amazing and the other dudes like the songwriters are no schlubs and uh and i mean part of that's development if you go back and listen to the early stuff uh, but i think by their lps they really they really were tightening up and live as you know Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map from Fallout Boy to Slayer. Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! PK, we got to see them a bunch, right? We did. Those dudes put it on live and we're pretty fucking tight every night. You know, <laughs> I, I know he doesn't need in the same breath. I'm going to give you another one. Please. That we, that, so Dalbeck is an incredible talent. <laughs> so, yes. so, so, uh, Bane is known as a good band and a consistent band. And I think that that more than anything is, by design based on who was playing because Dalbeck on his own can fly in any direction. And I think that even though Bane explored a lot of different angles of hardcore, I think that keeping it hardcore was 100% a conscious decision because uh, yeah. Dalbeck can play anything. You know what I mean? Like not, and not to take anything away yeah. from the other guys. Yeah. The other guys are great, but, but Dalbeck can play anything. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, and obviously, as we said, Converge is our, our next level, yep. and not just next level players, but next level, uh, uh, punched into each other. Um, so I, here's a question for you guys related. 
Do you think in now, I, you know, I think Amoebix is woefully underrated. This is a, a thing that we talk about. Uh, do you think more people are listening, listening to list physically listening to crass or to Amoebix? Crass, not close. Crass. Really? Yeah, not even close. Yeah, it's not close. Really? Yeah. I think that Amoebix has more musicality, but, um, yeah, no, I, I don't think it's particularly close. Um, I just think Crass has just been such a bigger name forever. Uh, but but there's certain things like, like okay, sorry, that now I'm taking us in a crazy direction. How many people, I, I would, well, what do you think, I would have to look on Spotify, and obviously it's so slanted because they're going to be on a million classic punk playlists, but. Yeah. Uh, let's look at, Dead let's Ken- look. No, look at that. Look, look up Dead Kennedys. How okay. many how many plays are Dead Kennedys getting? Okay, they're getting 974,743 monthly listeners. So almost are a you, million people listening to Dead Kennedys every, every month. month. What do you, you want to hear? I straight up refuse. Okay, Crass, <laughs> what do you Okay, now that you know DK's number, what do you think Crass's number is? If it's over 100,000, I'm going to run in traffic at the end of this podcast. Give me a number. Tom, give me a number. 75,000. Okay. PK uh, 80, 51,382. Okay. okay. All right. Let's, let's go to Amoebix. Okay. Give 10. me Amoebix. Right, you're saying 10, Tom. I'm going to say 27,000, 7,587. Well, here, let's do my- this. I mean, here, the thing is you got to remember, Oh, well, speaking of tragedy, tragedy, uh, who would, who bow at the altar of Amoebix. Of Amoebix. <laughs> Though I will say, I think I personally like the first two Tragedy LPs more than the Amoebix LPs. Um, how many listeners does Tragedy get a month? 40,000. Okay. 4,000? I'm going to say... You said 40,000. 40. 40. Oh, no. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in the 10. 12,395. 12, yep. I'm not even close. No, I mean, and and, you know... You won't have to stream the records because no one buys them anyways. <laughs> so um, from Ashes Rise, ooh, from Ashes Rise is it a paltry five thousand three hundred? L- let's get these numbers up, folks. There's some good music here, um, and and yo, uh, his hero's gone four thousand clean, crisp right there. Ow. I know. You, you know, it's really. I think some of this is age and time. His hero's gone hasn't been a band for twenty years. Yeah, but people still talk about them, though. And a million people a month are listening to Dead Kennedys. Yo, this yeah. is a full episode. This is a full episode that we'll do. The, go through the let's go. Let's go through the stream. So if anybody's got some interesting ones, let, let's make that work. Um, yeah, you know our boy Jay Reason loves talking oh, streams. God, yeah, he really does. Um, <laughs> His favorite thing in the world. All right. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, Vince here. Um, uh, love the astrology talk on the latest episodes. Placements seem to make sense. Tom's Virgo slash Leo chart makes the most sense because he's got a lot of nervous energy, but also has a very playful and gregarious side to him. Not surprised to see Patrick is a Pisces. Some of my favorite people are a Pisces, and I've been following Patrick's work for a decade now. He must have some fire in his chart because of his passion slash stubbornness. But once you get past that, he comes across as a very thoughtful, textured person. Interesting. Yeah. I don't Facts. know a lot about about Sagittarius, but it's the most mature of the fire signs, which makes sense as Bob comes across as someone who is very concentrated yet passionate. 
my girlfriend loves astrology and would love to know more about your guys' charts if you would be willing to fill out your natal chart. Hope I don't sound too crazy. Much love, Vince. I already responded. I already responded. Yo, yes. Where do we fill out these yeah, charts? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so let's get. What it. do I need to know about my natal chart, though? Like when I. It's when, like when uh, I where you were born, Brooklyn. when you were born. Two fourteen. The time? Yeah, yeah two fourteen in the morning or afternoon. Afternoon. Okay, You're and welcome. then there might be one or two other things. I think it's pretty okay. straightforward. Oh, All right. Okay. All right. So, so we'll get those, and we'll have our astrology episode soon. I feel like having a seance. Exactly. Um, I'm into it. Anthony asks, hey, guys, uh, kind words. Uh, uh, thank you, as always. Thank you. Uh, but there's uh, something about the way you three have been talking about everything that's been going on in the world, U.S., these past few months. It's really helping me keep my head about it. I could go on, but I'll leave it at that. Been a, did thank a, you. Um, thank you. Yeah, yo, we, we've, we've pulled back a little bit, but um, – you know, we'll touch back in. Uh, we, we're trying to come up for air, dive in, give people a break. Also talk about hardcore because we're a hardcore podcast. Uh, but but we've gotten a few other messages like that. So, Anthony, thank you. Everybody who said nice things about that, thank you. Uh, none of this stuff has stopped. We gotta we gotta start treating people like people, and uh, and and hold people accountable for the bullshit and that starts uh in our white house so let's fuck figure that out all right folks um anyways back to the question you mentioned a few times that hardcore kids are early adopters of various social trends and that got me thinking about the website makeoutclub.com oh yeah to yeah. my mind it predated friendster myspace and facebook he's right and i'm not aware of any similar proto-social networking sites that emerge out of other subcultures around this time although maybe i'm wrong about that you're not just wondering what your opinions, memories of the site were, what role you think it played in the hardcore scene at the time. I also wonder if you attribute its popularity in any way to the popularity of AN and their acolytes, or at least see a relationship between the two. Hmm. It's probably it's probably easy yeah, to see some criticism of the site and its users. I imagine that it contributed to the rise of scenester, quote-unquote, culture, and I have to imagine that it was a cesspool of gross older guys trying to creep on younger girls, ding, ding, ding. But I also have a vague sense that it helped bring lots of people, including lots of girls, I imagine, into the hardcore world in a way that not many other things had done up until then. Anyways, would love to hear your takes on Makeout Club or anything Makeout Club adjacent. Thanks again. Uh, real quick, before we get into this, do you guys remember the almost infamous picture of two women who were X'd up on a bed yes. in their underwear? Yes. Alexis, Texas, yes. Okay, that's Alexis, Texas. Really, it's one of the Texas. It's Texas something Texas. One of them. It's okay. in Texas. She ended up becoming like a adult star. Yeah, bless Get up. Here. Yo, can can either of you explain that before we touch this? Because I feel like it's weirdly connected. I was talking to because uh, our buddy Chris from Central Mass messaged me and said that he tried to revisit Saves the Day after the year in '99, but found himself like taken back to a time where he was. Um, he had too many. I believe he put them as uh, hopeless virginal? virginal. Yeah, hopeless yeah. virginal crushes. And and yo, I think that's not really wrong for most of the saves the day fan base at that time. Um, yeah. You know, especially of my age uh, range. So um, he's not wrong. But then I was like, how do we explain this phenomenon? Because that is that the first viral photo in in subculture in hardcore for, certainly. I I. I uh... So okay, so so Bob asked that we explain it. Yeah, how do you uh, explain it in a post-only fans world? These things uh, didn't exist. 
in uh, yeah, well, uh, 97, you think? In 97. Yeah, 97 and sounds I, I, right. And I'm fascinated, truly fascinated. Uh, okay, real quick. I play music still, and I play it in front of occasionally young people, but anybody that's seen me at a show knows that I'm pretty much like a dick. I'm like a green room to stage to green room to out the door sort of motherfucker. And I don't really get an opportunity to talk to young people except when they message me about this podcast and the things that like, it's fascinating to me to hear like the perspectives of young people because trying, if you try to explain that something existed it it can sound to someone like you're advocating for it when you're not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But there's almost no way to explain how different some of the social norms were uh, in 1997. And, or yeah, whenever that photo was. I don't even remember. I mean, right. And and I mean, honestly, people are going to reference. Um, um, is anyone up? Right. Yeah. Now, now, is anyone up was not that long ago, but if you no. tried explain, if you tried explaining to a nineteen-year-old, yes, there was a site that was this rather toxic mix of uh, revenge porn and self-advertising your dick. Yes, uh, then they would be say, say what? <laughs> you know, what, I mean? <laughs> what, what? What are you trying to convey to me? Um, and that the photo, or if you, or if people had the archives of the Bridge Nine board. There'd be oh, stuff on there. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen, everybody, can I break something? Can I ruin some people's days here? Um, Don't get fired. There is, if you love a band, there's an excellent chance that somebody in that band was calling somebody a, a slur that begins with an F and ends in a T on the bridge nine board in the 2000s. That's just a or the when when was that the early tw- early two thousands to twenty ten yeah so uh, there's an excellent chance <laughs> you know what I mean so you got to recognize that as social norms change a lot of people fall in line with that and say oh yeah what was I doing I was calling everybody an R and an F and a bop bop you know what I mean like yeah oh. <laughs> and the march time can sometimes be a really good thing right now we're in a weird place because a lot of the world is regressive. Um, at least this country, I should say. There, there's a lot of this country that's sliding into a, what I wouldn't have foreseen. But uh, we've seen a lot of progress in hardcore in terms of knowing what's not casually cool to use when you're dissing your friend online. Yeah, and and it, uh, it likewise, like now, don't get me wrong. I don't see anything wrong with two women making out and taking a photo. That's none of my fucking business. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong with that, but, uh, but there was, uh, by almost any standard sort of a, um, a male gaze. Oh, I mean, so it was full fetishization because it was like, them Xing up, right? They were, yeah, they were Xing up. No, they were just Xing up in their underpants. And it was like, I, I have a hard time even explaining like, this was a big deal. It, it was wouldn't two even hitting each other. Like you wouldn't even you wouldn't even blink an eye if you walked down the street and saw you might, I guess, but but like it's not it's not it's not it wouldn't even be a salacious post on your Instagram feed in 2020. You know? No, 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 right, no. It, it was a collision of two things that never met before. 
and, yes, and like, the uh, hardcore world collectively went. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, t- Tom will remember this. Bob, maybe not. Not your thing. Uh, uh, Earth Crisis took a photo with who was it? Um, porn actress. I forget her name, but it was like right. uh, one of those Ozfest situations, sure. and it's and it's Earth Crisis uh-huh. looking like like goobers like just like you know very Uh, impressed because i forget who i forget fuck um but uh that's maybe jasmine st Clair. anyway um but this this stuff was still like not taboo like okay so real quick for anybody that's uh listened to uh the self-defense family record try me there's a interview on one of the records uh with uh, gina fine who uh, I, I went and found her and interviewed her in part because she's on the chemical people record. Yeah. Um, very, and, it's the record. If you have been to a record store in your life and flipped through vinyl LPs, there's a good chance you recognize this image. Yeah. And this was such an interesting, notable thing to me that that was one of the first gigs that she had when she moved to LA was this album cover. Cause she was, kind of like she looked punk, you know what I mean? She liked enough punk music and she looked the part. So like it, for this band that kind of had like a porno tint, like porno angle, but that, but that sort of existed in the like sleaze LA punk world and yep. did not really exist in hardcore at all. And now I would, you know, I would a good percentage of, of the, of the young people in hardcore have only fans, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, Bob's not wrong. This is almost impossible to explain why a single image of yes. two young women kissing would be at all notable. But in 1997, let me tell you, <laughs> everyone knew notable. what that photo was. I mean, I said it and you guys were both like, yep, 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 yep. We know. I um, mean, also 1997, every band sold the same size shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's been so, some innovation. What would you say? There's been some innovation since that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but literally, like, uh, you know, it's like we got a uh, we got extra large. That's um, true. You know, and like it, it, it was so kind of everyone dressed exactly the same yeah. across the across the spectrum that it was like the why would I make why would I make size small shirts. Well, and not even right. that. Yeah, I'm, but that I'm saying, but like the sexuality was taken out of. Oh, for sure, yeah, for, for sure, sure, for sure. A That's lot true. of it. It was just sort of like, yep. You know what I mean? I, you know, yeah, it's, here's here's a here's a straight men's t-shirt size XL. Right. So either hopefully it'll be you know it'll it'll be too big for most of y'all yeah. and a little too snug for some of us. Yeah. So like this is what we got. You know what I mean? It was like there was no kind of like. You know, it, it was it, there was a homogeneity in hardcore that wasn't spoken about, but certainly was visible in a way that uh, at least now we're having conversations about it. Let's say that. Right. And I think, you know what I mean? If you think about the time of that photo, it was kind of like, like it was so salacious because it was like two like hardcore people. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Like Xing up. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm seeing I, I'm seeing these these women who are in the hardcore in their underpants. It was, it was a really and weird then like time. Four years later, five years later, you'll, you, it became, you know, seeing people that you saw at a hardcore show, like online having sex. Sure. Right. Sure. Sure. Like it, it leapt forward. Like that was like in our, you know, in the Puritan days of 1997 and dial up internet, that was like as salacious as it got. 
Yes. Then everyone got fucking ISDN lines, and it was like, oh shit, I, I saw that person at Bing last <laughs> The future yeah. is now. So that brings us up to Makeout Club. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. So people, good job, right? Um, Makeout Club. Yeah, to my memory, predated Friendster, MySpace, and Facebook. Maybe it coincided with Facebook in its very, very earliest incarnation. School only, school only format, maybe. But like, but like everybody forgets, MySpace popped way. You know, people don't forget MySpace was way more popular than uh, Facebook for a while. There, Um, Makeout Club was essentially a social networking site with a hard bend on dating and kind of like, you know, is it a Tinder precursor? Yes. Yes. It was a dating site. It was a social media site because people would post photos like their favorite fucking avant-garde lyrics. Like it was like, it was literally like Bumble, Tinder, Grindr, fucking. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter, everything in one felt like in one package. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's um, – so let's go through this. Um, were either of you on Makeout Club? No. No. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I did lurk, uh, if we're being fully honest. Never saw it once. Never looked at it. Uh, but it also is just because it coincided with the time where I wasn't – didn't really have a computer. Um, well, it's funny though because like – so it was run by um, Gibby. Yep. Yep. So like he managed like – who like like so when you opened it up and like you picked male or female or whatever at the time? Yep. Like all of his friends were the ones that would pop up first. So like oh, you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> like West Isol would be like the third picture. You know what I mean? And it was like the same thing on the other end for like women that he was friends with. Like they would be the like you know it was almost like it was like Google Trends or whatever or like Google Ads yep. before they were those things were. Th- I mean, so it was like a precursor to almost everything. Because like his friends would have like prime real estate on the site, and if you didn't, you'd be on page a hundred. No one's getting to you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Not almost quaint. It's almost yeah. quaint to explain how you had to braze, browse it on a desktop computer, or maybe you were really like, special yeah. and had a laptop at that point. Um, right, and the photos taken three days to load, and be like, I don't yeah, really know. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. So uh, it was very popular. Definitely kind of came out of the hardcore subculture. Do you think it impacted the popularity of American Nightmare and their acolytes? Yes. And I think vice versa. Sure. Uh, I, sure. I think, I think I think what it did was uh secured Boston as a youth culture spot. Like, listen, y- 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 sorry I keep referring to young people as though I'm 75, but like you know, young people like young people like to fuck. And at the time it was like you know, like the fact that you could like in a pre Facebook world, are you kidding? Like it, it was like, that was, Oh, the, here's a way that these socially inept hardcore kids, although there was a lot of shows in Boston, they had plenty of opportunity to fucking go out and meet people. But it's listen, there's a meme for a reason, which is, you know, uh, LOL saw you at the show was too shy to say hi. Like, yo, you know, this, this answered that question. Yes, precisely. This this, this was the enabled follow-up, it, right? Yes, yeah. This, <laughs> this enabled it. It, um, I don't know. I think it led. I mean, I remember at the time. I think it did lead to a in relativity high level of hookups for oh, for yeah. people for a world of people who weren't in that world. You know, there wasn't. Man, you know the the way it's it, it's just a different vibe. But uh, but yeah, it was. It seemed to 
so that's cool. Maybe it helped push a few prudes out, and uh, and I think that's good. You know, like I think people should kind of like, you know, like without it being whack. Do I think that there were people like gross older dudes, gross older guys trying to creep on younger girls? Yeah, yep, yep. That's oh, yeah. that's not a new phenomenon, folks. Um, now, here's the best part of this whole thing, and maybe we'll we'll finish the question and then do one more question before we get going. I have a vague sense that it helped bring lots of people, including lots of girls, I imagine, into the hardcore world in a way that not many other things had done up until then. Do we think this brought people into hardcore? I do. Okay. I'm not sure about that. I think it was the perfect storm of a ton of things. Here's why I say yes. Um, because so we might just reading that dry, what you just read. Sure. We, we might wince thinking, fuck, I don't want to answer this or fuck. That's like a sloppy way to say that. You know what I mean? Because clearly women have been involved in hardcore since jump. So like it, it, we don't want to be the dudes that are like, oh yeah, they were there to make out with dudes. No, but like, no, 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 no. But here's, here's the reality is that like, yo, you're talking about at that time, it, hardcore was not like it is now where there's like hella old people. Like very that true. Really, you know, that was a young person's game. So like if you were right. 28, Listen, if you were, if you were, yeah, if you were in your late twenties, if you were 30 in a hardcore in, in 2000, you better be on the stage that the 2020 <laughs> equivalent is being 55 or 60. Yeah, precisely. So here's what I'm going to say is that uh, I bet it did bring in a bunch of young women because it it made it seem less like a fucking weird sausage fest of creepos that there was. Listen, there's other young women here. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, my guess is that it 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 kind of normalized a, a a quote unquote normal Boston interaction for kids who may not have had a normal Boston interaction otherwise. Yeah, I think you're and, right. I think you're right. And like seeing it all together, you'd be like, okay, so like it's not, it wasn't as if there were 300 pages of men and four pages of women. Right. You could see like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not, a, yeah, it might have made it at some, you know, to an extent, like a given them a, a moment of, of community, place. right? Like a moment yeah. of community. And I think that, um, yo, let's, yeah, like I, I, I like the way you flipped that. PK, I, I like that perspective on it, and I agree with it. Um, and I also think that when we talk about social media being good, bad, or indifferent, I think that social media has enabled a lot of people who might be feel marginalized in their area, or maybe are quite literally in the minority in hardcore in their world. Maybe it's a person of color, maybe it's a woman, maybe it's you know somebody who's got a different sexuality than most of the other. Whatever it happens to be. It enables to find other people who, who hey, you you also like this thing, and you're also, you know, like like me, like uh, and and I, I while I, I don't attribute the fact that people want people are only attracted to be around other people who are like them, I think when you're alone in a place and you like this, but there's no one else like you, it probably is reassuring to find out, hey, there's other people. In this example, hey, there's other women who like hardcore. Cool, and you might find some some community there. And that's 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 a positive in my book. Sure, and I also think that, like you know, I'm sure we're going to get a ton of emails after this uh, of. 
people giving us the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm sure that a lot of people met, met up, had a kid together, and whether or not they're still together, they've got now like a fucking 17-year-old that's uh, a happy kid, and, and they're happy for that experience. And then we're also going to get emails from people that were probably exploited in some way by some fucking older creepo. Yep. And, then, and then we're going to get a lot of people that just said, uh, I was a college student, and it was cool. I had a lot of sex. And uh, I did it contribute to an overall, we've talked about it, Boston in particular, had at times a, a hardcore culture that might have mirrored the larger, larger bro, college bro culture a little too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, in all of our estimation, looking back on it, I think we can safely say that there was maybe, maybe broishness became too normal. Um, absolutely. But the flip side is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of repressed subculture people. And for all the, for all the bad this might've done, it might also have pulled somebody out of their shell or shown them that they could have uh, like a, like a somewhat normal like interaction with people. So uh, I'm going to guess that, I couldn't even fancy if this, if this is a net positive or net negative on the individual level, I bet the stories that we get are going to vary so wildly, but for somebody that, that is 19 now who never has never been a like really a conscious person without Tinder existing. Uh, there's no understanding this. <laughs> it would be like it would be like trying to explain a time before computers to, to you know it's it's just it it's a different it's a it, it, this is all going to sound so remedial to somebody they'll be like wait wait wait, wait yeah wait. <laughs> so I I uh, I don't know I this is a fascinating fascinating example of the march of time yes I strongly agree okay. Uh, let's, let's hit one more here that I think is kind of interesting. Then we'll kind of call it a day here. Scott asks, uh, more questions for the homies care to describe visceral moments. You remember hearing a specific album for the first time for me to come to mind, Acme to reduce the the choir to one soloist and converge Jane Doe stay up and ACAB Scott, yo, a cab, a cab. Hey, Cab, there we go. Um, all right. Do you guys have any moments where you remember the situation where you heard a specific album for the first time? Uh, there's a number of them that, uh, so I had one of those, I had the funniest room as a kid because it wasn't big and it was occupied 90% of it by a water, by a, queen waterbed that i found at a, at a garage, garage sale. sale yeah and my mother reminded me of this fact that i had completely forgotten that i had to saw a portion of the door off to get it <laughs> in, in, into the, in, in, into the uh, uh room and did you not uh, want to just take the door off the hinges or listen patrick is not that smart yeah so not. i Your i got this person, I mean. <laughs> so patty had a waterbed and then, <laughs> and then Patty also decided, oh, 90% of this room is occupied uh, by the waterbed. Uh, here, it, oh, actually, it wasn't about getting it into the room. It was to open and close the door. Um, okay. So uh, That makes more then sense. I, so then I got a wood, large wooden cabinet uh, 
uh, record player. Mm-hmm. So we're talking of the type that is uh, a piece of furniture, a large piece of furniture. And uh, that was my record player throughout all of high school. And a lot of my first memories are getting home, rolling over my waterbed, and, <laughs> and, and playing a record on that, uh, uh, on that large phonograph <laughs> and phonograph. And, uh, the one that sticks out to me is under the knife, uh, Ooh, okay. which, which I bought, uh, almost certainly I might've gotten it off of Rick to life might've, but my, <laughs> but my guess that could have been a Rick to life special, but my <laughs> guess, my guess is that that was a, um, whoa, I feel terrible. What is the name of the record store that was on quail for a hundred years? Oh, Fuck. um, last, last, last message? Stitch, no. Yeah, la- no, is that, isn't that it? Uh, last vestige, yeah. is that, that right? A, yeah. Last vestige. Is it still there? I'm going to find out right now. Yeah. Uh, 173 Hanford, quail. Hanford yes. Last vestige. Time. Yep. Last vestige. Okay. Uh, wow, I was just googling googling Quail Street record store Hans. Yeah, um, I, I figured. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, pardon me. Last Vestige, uh, and Last Vestige also is the place that they had uh, a collection of seven inches that were all uh, metal acts. Some of which were big, and I didn't know them, but uh, many of them were of the lo- local level, um, like. Like, like what is what is death metal when it's exclusively album art of women being sought up what what what, what like what is is there that a sub power metal i don't know oh no like no. gory like gore metal i don't know yeah it's like gore metal <laughs> but that sort of stuff uh i remember being like a very young kid uh and looking at that and being like like you know you do know, you guys know that there's not just there's not just classic records that have fetuses being ripped out of women but also like imitation yep, <laughs> yep sure do like, so, so like that sort of stuff like opened my mind and was like oh my god uh but i'm uh, wherever i got under the knife whether that was a rick to life special or, or, or last vestige i remember taking it home putting it on uh and uh what is I'm going to have to look right now. Does anybody off the top of your heads? Do you know what the split with neglect looks like? I bet that that one is. Yeah. It's kind of like, it looks like the uh, Sistine Chapel. Black and, black and white, right? Mm, oh, wait, with neglect. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the other, um, thinking of it. Okay. So the hate neglect record is, oh yeah, no, no, no. Pardon me. Not it's under the knife. It was hate yeah. neglect because okay, I remember the neglect right. song is, is two foot city. And, and <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. It's still with it's me. Two foot city. Yeah, it's about being a resident of the two foot city, which is the graveyard. Isn't that six foot city? No, no, no. Because the 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 graves are two feet high. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, you, st- you you can't argue with neglect logic. No. no. So, so wait a second. Help me out. That's not one truth and severed, which then appeared um, on everything. On everything. So actually, I, you know what? I said that this was me saying this was me able to say when I heard something, but now I can't because I own this. I own under the knife and uh, the satisfaction. I'll listen. 
Is it, yeah. So I, never mind. I take back okay. everything I said. That was such a like, that was like a real Tom. Wasn't that like a really like sweet walk down Patrick memory no, lane? Very NPR, like 2 a.m. NPR. Yeah. Like, and, and then, and usually me or you are the ones who, who deliver that kind of action. And, and, and yeah. we were getting it from PK. I was like, all right, sentimental. Earth crisis, firestorm, 108. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Lungfish. Tom, give me one of yours. I got one. Um, all right. So I, so I'll, all right, I'll give you two quick ones and then, yeah. First one that popped in my head was the first time hearing minor threat mm. as like a 14 year old, 15 year old in high school. Yeah. And it was on like, it was one side, this dude, Jim, I think I talked about him on this before. Um, uh, Jim Kim, James Kim. He gave me, um, dinosaur junior on one side. And the minor threat discography on the on the other side, I had never heard anything so fast, yeah, and so like made me want to run through a wall in my entire life, yeah. Mm. So that would be number one. Number two, more recent, but not nearly as recent as some, you know, as as we would think. Probably that um, the second um, American Nightmare seven inch. Oh yeah, the sun. I just feel like that one. I was like, holy fuck! Like it was like a a shot of adrenaline. It comes in charging. That I, for sure that i very rarely felt first listen on on a, on a band all right i'll give two uh one is that in my parents house in brick uh before i got a record player um for free out of the garbage in some when i was walking down the street in my neighborhood and somebody just had a re- i was like oh that's good much like i found a leather couch and that was the couch that was in my like the basement of my house that was great um uh curbside appeal you know um but before that i would play records uh on my parents stereo downstairs and uh, i could only do that when it was just me in the house essentially so that was like i had like a small window when i was 15 where it was like before my mom was home and my sister didn't get home yet and my dad was at work so so i could listen to records and i remember buying start today and I had heard some Gorilla Biscuit stuff already, but I hadn't heard Start Today. I think I was 15. Like, and, um, you know, it was one of my first punk hardcore records, but I put it on and it starts with the horns and then, and, uh, yeah, I just remember being like, I couldn't believe it. And I remember listening. I listened, I think I listened to the whole A side. And then I went right back to the beginning and listened again because I just couldn't believe the song New Direction. Um, and it yeah. really did. Like, it's like one of those speaks to you moments. Uh, and then fast forward. And it's like, it's funny the way time moves because that's, I'm 15. And then you fast forward only like three and a half years. I'm 18. <laughs> and uh, I think I was in Dave Ackerman's car. And uh, he put on the Tragedy LP, uh, the first Tragedy record. And again, we were driving in his car at the time, and it kicks in. And I just remember, like, holy shit. Like, that's a record. And I mean, is that a lesson? And I mean, I think it tracks with, with your picks too, Tom. Like, yo, you better come out of the gate. Come out of the gate hard with your songs on a record. Like if that first track hits, you're going to have some fans for life because there's a moment when you first put on a new record 
if that record stands out, it's like, oh shit, like this is a, a memorable thing. Like, whereas there's tons of records I like a lot that don't start with that kind of energy or effervescence. That's just like, it's not as memorable the first time I heard it, you know, it's a warm bath, not a cold shower. <laughs> yeah, guys, I think we're okay. So either that's somebody's going to have to write us. Sorry. I just did a little digging. And by the way, if you, if you, uh, Google, uh, a hardcore girls, uh, kissing, uh, with the safe search off, you do not arrive at that classic photo. You're no, really, uh, straight edge girls X up. Not, not, not good. Kidding. Uh, you definitely up. can't, um, yeah, you can't write SXE girls, um, X up. You, you get a lot of, bad results on that one i mean good results like really you know but but yeah, not the result i'm not, looking for not bad, not what we're looking for it now. no not bad at all but also if anyone has that photo hit us with it because it's it's a hardcore archive and i also want to see if it is approximately like two inch by two inch size at this point because it was taken yes. clearly on but a mid-90s digital so, camera before you do so um before you send it to us everybody please um Confirm or somebody confirm if that is Alexis Texas. That's what I was always told. But Alexis's age here. Oh, oh yeah. Never mind. Don't. Never mind. Well, no, it's not. It's not. Yeah. All right. No. Uh, So, but here's the thing. This is the given age of a, of a actor. So it might not be true, but if we're remembering this from the very early two thousands and, and it might not be her, I just always heard that it was, and it looks an awful lot like her in my memory, but, uh, her age does not comport with. Yeah. I don't think there's a chance. This is her dude, by the way. You don't think, I don't think so. I'm trying to see this. Eh, I mean, maybe I guess the good thing is there's no nudity or anything else that's bad about this. They're Xing up. Um, and and maybe we rescind our request. We don't really need you to send us this photo. Just just yeah, just answer, answer these questions. Yeah, answer these questions instead. There we go. All right. What what else we got? That's it. Let's call it. Let's oh, call it. Can okay. we answer something non-pornographic? <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Let me dig. Let me. I'll, I'll get. Let me get. Let me actually get into the mailbag here. We'll do one more good one. Um. Here we go. Bro, you ever seen the fucking porn with the girl with the mental shirt? Or the guy with the mental That's shirt? That's true. Yep. Sure did. Is um, exists, right? Is that a thing? Yeah. I um, remember reading it's a kid, it. Was a, it was a couple at, at the time. They were a couple from Denver who were both in a hardcore, and uh, they got into a couple videos. <laughs> pretty rad. Several of them. Got it. Um, this is a quick one. Is Firestorm just a reorganization of the Bad Brain song Super Touch Shit Fit Parts? Appreciate y'all, Lucas. Um, no, I no fast part. Yeah, I don't. Shift it I, yeah, I don't think so. Though, though that might have been someone trying to troll me and, and put Bad Brains and Earth Crisis in too close proximity. There, just hear you like explode. Yeah, I, I mean it's more of a Slayer song. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. It's fucking like Angel of Death and fucking Raining Blood. Okay, uh, this is a good one for both of you, and well, really all three of us, but. Uh, what makes a good frontman? Nick asks. So I'm sure some of you guys have gotten some people emailing you this list from Kerrang, which was uh, from April, the 10 greatest hardcore front men and women right now. This list is pretty whack, but it got me thinking. What makes a good front person? Does songwriting count towards being a good frontman? 
How do live vocals weigh versus studio vocals? Does social media presence weigh in? What about on-stage antics, stage banter, image? Would love to hear you guys weigh in, especially with Pat talking shit about being one of the top frontmen in hardcore lately. Nick. Thanks, Nick. I mean, is it, is it talking shit if you if you can prove it? Yeah, exactly. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? He, he think, speaks loud, I, so yeah, let's hear it. That's true. That's true. I, I feel like I remember reading the list. Patrick may have been on it. Nah. <laughs> you on His fucking ass. He'd remember if he was on it. I feel I like he was on it. It was like um, uh, Aaron from Jesus Peace. Oh, um, yeah. Fuck, who else was on it? Was it the singer from Initiate? Yeah, I believe so. The one yeah. I saw, I, th- I think she's on it. She's a good, uh, really good from prison. Very, very good. Um, but I think so. So I think there's, there's to me, and I'm the second best front man. Maybe the third best front man in this con- in this conversation right now. I'm not 100 <laughs> percent sure. I think there's a there's like you can either be like chaos on stage, like and just frenetic energy. Yep. Or you can be like. This this person may come off the stage and kill somebody. Oh, okay. I feel like so you could either be, you know, um, you could be HR, mm-hmm. or you could be, you know, Rollins Band era Rollins, oh. or like Tim Singer. Tim Singer's not jumping anywhere, but that dude's staring a hole through you. Yeah, yeah. Then I think both both kind of have their their pluses to me at least i mean i love a band that's kind of like fuck this this guy looks like he's going through something or someone you know like uh what's brendan from turnstile right yeah that's a different energy that that's incredible like a very person. incredible yeah but it's all energy like like you know if you knocked into him he'd hug you yeah. i wouldn't <laughs> even hear a fucking tim singer in the middle of a fucking dead guy song no so i mean they both have their kind of you know their, their luster. Yeah. To I, me, at least. Let's say what makes a good front person um, uh, come original, um, figure out the color of your own energy. Um, mm. uh, so you're saying Nick Hexum is the best front person? I mean, is that- uh, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be vague. No. Um, be intense. Uh, be real about it. Be who you are. Yo, like Sammy from Drain, we talked about him. Like, yo, that dude's got such a, like, buoyant energy that radiates him. He couldn't fake that if he tried. That's just who that dude no, is. Like that, we dropped him off in Philly. <laughs> yo, right, right. Like, what a what a sad situation to be dropped off. And he's still like, oh, this is awesome, you know? Um, yeah, he, that's him. So, so, like, if you, like, quite literally, like, Patrick, do you feel like you're not being who you are when you're performing with either self-defense or drug church? No. Tom, do you feel like you're performing as someone who is not who you are when you're performing with indecision or at any time with most precious blood. No, I think that's actually, it's, it's a part of you, right? Yeah. Going through the songs, like I'm playing the scenarios out that brought those songs to life. Right. So, so do that. Be, be real. Like nobody likes performative shit. Maybe, maybe I don't, maybe I'm in, in the minority, but like, I hate the, like the fake, Shit. Well, well, there's, there's, uh, like perform. I, I think you're right. W- when we say, when you say it like that, it means like you don't like it when someone's putting it on. Whereas there is a performance to what you do, to what Pat does, to what anybody does. Anyone who steps on the stage, grabs a microphone, grabs a guitar, whatever. Absolutely, exactly. Like that kind of performative. 
exude something that that is real and people are going to feel that. Uh, as far as vocals, you know, hopefully you're clever. Hopefully you've put the work in. Be good. Try. Like, yo, honestly, listening out of step, I was like, yep, yeah, clearly great players. But, yo, Ian levels up on that record. And his yeah. and it's like, how did he level up from the seven inches? What the fuck? Like, yeah, he, he has more yeah. personality. Like, and he's like, and why not? Like, he's doing things that send chills that are casual, that are castaway things. They're like, like, how, how is he doing that? Um, and and like, there's a flair for the dramatic. So so don't shy away from from being expressive. And I think that's like when we talk about hardcore and competency and like, hey, maybe people should not just like grab a bass and start a band, but like I do encourage everyone to go out and express themselves. If that's being a bad bass player, but you jump around and can jump really high, fuck it, do it. If that means being a singer and you're not like anyone else and you're doing something weird, fuck it, do it. If that means being a singer and just being like, yo, I really like what Scott Vogel does. I'm going to just try that. Try it. Um, because that expression part will come through, and and if you're expressing something real and, and sincere in the way you do it, that's gonna that's gonna pitch. Uh, so I just if you scroll down far enough on the, an image search for straight edge girls kissing, uh-huh. uh, you end up at the 58 best tattooed BDSM images on Pinterest. Oh, wild and, wild and, wormhole, and the. The the icon image for that the uh, the thumbnail is uh, a man uh, tilting his head backwards so you can read his neck which reads for those I love I will sacrifice. Whoa! <laughs> Send that to the group chat. All right, um, PK. Anything on? Pat fucking did it again. Yeah, he brought yeah, sorry, it. We, well, he he put it in sorry. there just so he can. He's gonna have final say. What makes a great front man or front woman or front person? Uh, uh, personality is, is first, but you also like, if your personality sucks, that's rough. Uh, should social, I mean, I think there should be something to be said about vocals too, though. Like being able to pull it off live. Mm. Cause you hear bands that it's like, you know, you see them live and they're like running out of breath, not singing all the words. And not, it, it kind of, if it's the first time, if it's like the first time seeing them to me, it, it leaves like a bad taste. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, Patty is going to be noticeably quiet on this. Why? <laughs> because I can never, I'm, I am a disaster live by comparison to how I sound. Oh, no, I mean, no, you know what? I don't think, I, I don't think you give yourself this. This is the one time you don't give yourself. <laughs> enough uh, you're, you're a stern judge. Your yeah. You pull them off. Like it's, you know, I don't think like it's not like you're like fucking Pavarotti on a record, and then I go see you, and you're like I kicked in the ball. Like no, it's it, it's not it's not like solely to uh, suffocate faster, but it, it, it is. Uh, it, it, there's a downgrade. I've seen that tattoo, by the way, because you can definitely tell he got the star over it because he spelt sacrifice wrong. Oh. <laughs> they definitely made it sacrifice s a c r a f i c e. So he was like, hey, you want to just put a star over that because you fucked up the spelling. Wow, 100%. that's incredible. Look at that. That's really amazing. Happens, right. to, happens to the best of us. It oh, clearly does. Um, but I mean, I think, no, I think you pull it off. But I mean, I think I've seen bands that it's kind of like, I mean, it, funny enough, like, so a, a younger listener hit me up um, after the Bane set that went, you know, finally went live or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, he doesn't sing everything, does he? 
<laughs> and I was like, oh shit, that's not like common knowledge to you because you never, you probably never saw them. Wow. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, I mean, even, you know what? I mean, Bob and I can, well, co sign this like AN in like 2001. <laughs> the, the shows were just. Every fourth word. He just held the mic but out. The energy was so outrageous. He it didn't knew. matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter like that. He was barely singing. But I mean, I think if you saw that now on video, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Like, I don't think it plays as well when you're not like in the moment of it. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, Pat, you're fine on your vocals. Just uh, thanks so much. Don't, don't fuck up. Um, all right. Yo, uh, this was Axe to Grind. Talk to you later. Thanks. Peace.